Hello, and welcome to episode four of Chewing the Fat. With me, me Phil Cobbling, and me Adam Vernon, and we're actually in the same room. We are <laughs> Dub- double vaccinated. We're double all good. vaccinated. It's all good. Yeah. We're in the same room, we have sort of a studio setup, I suppose. Yeah. Any anyone who's been to MSAB training will recognise where we're sat right now. Yes, we're being kindly being allowed to use the uh, the room for for this episode, and we'll probably do it again. Yeah, I think. Um, it works, seems to work. Yeah, it <laughs> works really well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Welcome, welcome back to to episode four. Um, if you're a new viewer uh, or listener, the, then then thank you for tuning in. Welcome, um, and, and anyone who's listened to our previous, um, we've got another really cracking show in in store. Really, um, we've got a, a, an interview or chat, um, kind of which lasted. A long time, yeah. <laughs> uh, with with the uh, legend that is uh, Josh Hickman, um, yeah. so from the US. Um, so we had a really really good uh, chat with Josh. Um, I think we've the, the the chat was kind of. I think we mentioned it before. The length of time on the recording was yeah. nowhere near actually how long we talked yeah. for. <laughs> how much of his time we took? <laughs> a whole afternoon, basically, just chatting but um yeah it was really good fun um so hopefully you, you get to enjoy that um when we put it on um and he did leave us a forensic faux pas as well yeah he did uh which is which was very kind of him so uh thank you big thank you to josh for his time um and, and hopefully he'll enjoy the interview but um but yeah we've got a little bit of news yeah we're definitely going to try and we're aware the last episode was a big very, one it was so, very long yes yeah. um yeah, so we'll 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 try and keep it down. We're very very conscious of time. Yeah, <laughs> as always. You know those t-shirts are going to exist. They're, they're going to exist. Yeah, yeah. I'm conscious of time. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we've also been told that we should we, we should wear blazers. Apparently. Yeah, Josh has suggested we need blazers. So um, we were going to run to a charity shop before today's event um, that we were recording it together, <laughs> yeah, but we unfortunately, Phil wasn't conscious of time, and we didn't have time to do it. So. <laughs> I just wasn't here. No, yeah. <laughs> My conscious state had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so so um, little, a few bits of news um, to go through, I, I suppose. Um, but we actually ended up talking about most of it. We in, did, in yeah. The interview, didn't we? So um, so some of the highlights, I think. Um, we well, did, did you want to start with the first bit? Yeah, we briefly spoke about it last time, but um, I didn't actually reference it or include it in the show notes. But there's been a forensic start me page made by Kevin Pagano, where he's linked to free utilities, um, podcasts, links to Josh's image. Basically, it's one website that lists so many useful resources for DFIR. So it's, it's just wanted good. to give a big thank you to Kevin for doing that. And biggest thank you for including our podcast within there. So. Yeah, we're actually on the list. Yeah. Kind of felt very, very honoured. <laughs> so, but it's a great resource. Um, I reached out to Kevin recently about it and just wanted to say thank you and um, just to let him know that whenever I teach a course or, you know, on the podcast, we're promoting it. So, um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll put the link in. And yeah, definitely, if you haven't yet done so, check it out, bookmark it. Um, kind of yeah, take a note yeah. of it because it is a fantastic resource. It's just yeah. got everything. And, and yeah, if, if you're missing any, if there's something on there that you're aware of that's not on there, just get in touch with Kevin on on Twitter. He's got all his connections on that page for LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. Get in touch with him; he'll get it added. Yes, 
Yeah. So, but yeah, big thank you to Kevin. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, another piece, uh, the uh, DFRWS. Um, so the, 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 the Digital Forensic Research Workshop uh, group, they've uh, released a CTF. Yeah, they've recently it. posted a CTF for 2021. Um, and what I like about this is for open source tools. Mm. So it's for new or existing. So you can use existing open source, but if you've developed a tool, you can start using it to tackle their challenge, which I think is great. Yes, yeah, um, I really like that. And and. They're, they're looking for innovative and interesting ways for people to carry out their investigations, do their analysis, and, and kind of link tools together. Yeah. Um, so I think there's been go go and have we'll put the link in again. Uh, go and have a read of it. But I think there's there's mention in some of the instructions of if it, we don't necessarily want you to send in a complete finished kind of uh, answer, we want you to give uh, or they would like even partial answers that are well thought thought through. Yeah. Um, and it's all to kind of better the community, kind of help um, innovate and, and kind of, um, yeah, kind of get people kind of geared up to start. Yeah, and you can submit things. as a team or as an individual. So, mm. yeah, that's definitely um, something that caught my eye. Yeah, yeah, I thought it looked really, really good. And there's, um, I think the, the um, Forensic Corpora is hosting a lot of the images. Yeah. Um, again, the links are on, on that site. Um, and I think it's four or five Yes, yeah, I think it's five images. Um mm. So you've got a skimming device, a Raspberry mm. Pi, Samsung smartphone, a NAS drive, and then the fifth part is multi-source analysis and correlation. So yes. yeah, it's got something for everybody in there. Yeah, so um, yeah, we'll put the link in the description. Go check it out. A bit of fun um, and kind of develops the skills and, and yeah, it, hone, hones the skills set and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, great. They do some great work. They've got some great um, articles and, and publications and stuff as well. Yeah. So, a uh, really, really good site to go to. Um, we also, in the news, there was a um, recent release, um, which has been of big interest to myself, especially um, the Windows 365 yeah. release. So, that's um, interesting if you're not aware of it. Uh, Microsoft uh, already do their Office 365, or I think it's now called Microsoft 365, um, for all their Office applications and the, the kind of Office package. Um, they're now releasing, they've just started a trial of Windows 365, which is a subscription service for a Windows virtualized desktop. So it's kind of AWS Azure, yeah. but it's really simplified. Exactly what we said two episodes ago, exactly. that this is the way it's going to go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's um, uh, the pricing's all in dollars at the moment, but it starts off at kind of about $20 a month, and you get a Windows desktop. Uh, and you can log into it from anywhere, just go into your browser, yeah. and it, it just works. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we talk about it with Josh um, in, a, in our chat um, because it's quite interesting from a forensic standpoint. Yeah. Kind of, what's that going to do for us forensically? Because yeah. we're not going to actually... Physically fact, be able to have something. Yeah, to image we're not going to be able to image a hard drive and have Windows on it. You'll yeah. image a hard drive and they'll have a host system that allows you to launch your Windows machine. Um, so and, and this is definitely going to happen because you, you made a note that they had to close this after a day due to the demand. Yeah, so yeah the it, trial is stopped already. Yeah. Um, too many people, so they're having to bulk up the servers after one day. Yeah. <laughs> one day. Um, so, yeah, I think that's they're, they're aiming it at corporates and businesses. I think it'll eventually roll out to personal users yeah. as well. And, um, yeah, I think that's going to be huge. Yeah, um, I agree. So I think anyone who's in uh, instant response, especially doing corporate 
um, investigations, I think you're going to end up seeing a lot of this virtualization if you're not already. Um, so, so yeah, that that was quite interesting. But we do, like I say, we do talk about it yeah. with Josh, um, so we won't go on about it too much here. Um, and the other big thing, um, again, that we talk about with with Josh in the in the interview, so we're not going to go on too much. But hopefully, everyone has been watching the news and seen Apple's recent announcement. <laughs> yeah, and they tried to do some good and got penalised for it or yeah. heavily criticised. Um, so Apple have now stated that they're going to start scanning the iPhone and iCloud for child sex abuse images. Yes, yeah, so CSAM or child sexual uh, abuse material, um, yeah, going to be scanning everything that goes up into iCloud and yeah, yeah, uh, people are kind of having them from a pri privacy perspective and yeah. fears of kind of um, authoritarian regimes taking advantage of it and um, yeah, people were saying, oh, it's an outrage that they're kind of going to be scanning our stuff. Um, rather than looking at it from a, this is actually going to help protect yeah, <laughs> vulnerable yeah, people and, and catch criminals. So, yeah. um, really, really difficult subject, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do we do talk about that uh, in more detail later on. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's all we were really going to cover on the on the news front. Um, uh, so I think we might as well go straight to the interview with Josh. Yeah. So see what you think. Here we go. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure. To yeah, on. absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving us the time. <laughs> Man, I, I I apologize. I know it's, we've been back and forth about with this for a little bit, but uh, yeah, schedule's been kind of crazy. I'm getting ready to go on leave for a little bit, and uh, you know how things go are when you get ready to go on leave, people need things. And, yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. And also, you know, you know, there's been that whole kind of pandemic thing. Oh yeah, that thing. I forgot about yeah, that. That thing. That little thing. Yeah, that little minor thing yeah. in the background, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so no, don't worry. We, we completely yeah, but really, really appreciate you. Yeah. You thanks for having me. Having the time for us. Um, and, and the amount of time. I mean, <laughs> the fact that we've just been talking for I know. forty minutes. <laughs> I, I know. We should. We should have just recorded that, right? We should have. Yeah. We should have just recorded all the. That was some really good conversation. It was, yeah. yeah. Re repeat it now. <laughs> we could just say, oh no, it was. It was a good pod. That's it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks very much. People yeah. are going to be like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> but um, yeah, Josh. Um, Given, given that we aim this podcast not just at uh, kind of existing digital forensics persons, but mm. also those kind of new, upcoming, and aspiring digital forensics individuals, and you being, I think it's fair to say, quite a well-known name in the industry, a uh, very well-respected individual mm. in the industry, and yeah, yeah don't, mm. don't get all humble mm. on us now. <laughs> <laughs> I just do my thing. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, no, uh, just for, for those um, people who might not know you, would, would you mind kind of just kind of telling us a little bit about yourself and who you are and, and kind of how you got into to digital forensics? Yeah, so uh, Josh Hickman. Uh, I currently am a VP at Kroll, which is a cyber risk and incident response uh, organization based here in the U.S. I've been here for about two years. Uh, my day-to-day -day is uh, incident response uh, for the mm -hmm. most part. 
Um, prior to Kroll, I was a supervisor with the digital evidence section at the state crime lab here in North Carolina. And uh, prior to that, I was in law enforcement for 16 years. I had um, I was working for the investigative arm of our state police, the State Bureau of Investigation here. And uh, my career there wound down with our computer, uh, um, uh, basically our ICAC or Internet Crimes Against Children uh, task force. Uh, that that agency was the the head of that task force for the entire state, and so. Uh, you know, dealing with a lot of uh, child sexual exploitation material and, and you know, ex- exploitation of children uh, via the Internet. That was our mandate. That's what we did. Um, so had a lot of experience dealing with that and all things with, you know, Nick Mick, the National Center for Missing and uh, Exploited Children. Uh, and then, uh, you know, prior to that, I was just still I was a regular investigative agent for that agency. I did a lot of uh, homicide, uh, public corruption, uh, you know, violent crimes against persons however that ended yeah. up shaking out and and then just whatever you know if, if they told me to do something i would probably go do it right <laughs> so you know if anything it, and everything yeah pretty much <laughs> if, if they tossed it my way i, I would, would do it uh but that that's uh my background uh but i've been a, a tinkerer of you know electronic things for you know, my parents will tell you I took electronic things apart when I was a kid, and to, to my dad, to my dad's dismay, right? I, uh, so, uh, you know, and I'm paying for it now because my kid does the same thing. <laughs> so he's you know, he's constantly taking stuff apart. But um, but yeah, that's that's my background. Um, and uh, you know, I know people know me for for mobile uh, forensic stuff and whatnot mm-hmm. and that is a personal interest of mine i continue to do it yeah. and um and we do get those types of cases that crawl even now and i i take a lot of those cases um but <clears throat> i do a lot of ir and, and work uh, here lately it's been a lot of <clears throat> excuse me a lot of ransomware uh, i feel sure you know it's all over the news um yeah you know with the colonial pipeline and and the like uh yeah. it's just it's, it's been quite prevalent over there over the US yeah it's it's so. been it's been we've had a quite a rash and and this year has been kind of rough you know between you know uh solar winds you know proxy log on uh Kaseya, you know it's just it's been one thing after another with these zero days and and whatnot and so you know crawl stays busy and which is good <laughs> so uh, yeah good for business yeah for, yeah you in hate terms of your personal time <laughs> right and you and you hate it for the clients too right you you, you yeah, hate yeah. to see in that position and, and usually when we encounter folks they're usually in, you know in a you know in a very um chaotic and uh low point they're you know trying to get back on their feet and get their business up and running so are you finding that because these are increasing you're getting a lot more customers who are coming to you before they're attacked uh, that's a good question. I don't have a whole lot of insight. We do have a proactive services group that handle like yeah. penetration testing and, and risk assessment and things of that nature. I'm not a part of that group, so I, I don't have any insight there. But I would I would venture a guess that we probably do, um, but I can't say for for certain. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you mentioned on the, the the mobile side and that being mm-hmm. an interest of yours, and obviously you kind of. You've got you've got your blog, mm-hmm. um, the binary hick, mm-hmm. uh, which we will put a link to in yeah. in the description. Thank so you. That we can, <laughs> that. I think yeah. most people know it. Yeah. Most people know it. But yeah, we'll we'll include a, a link to it. But but you regularly blog um, about uh, mobile forensics, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and you've got your images as well, mm-hmm. don't you? Mm-hmm. That you create. Could you tell us a little bit 
about those and what kind of how you got into into kind of producing those for the community yeah uh so when i was at the state crime lab um the digital forensics unit had had historically been a part of another unit somewhere within the crime lab uh it, it that particular function and <clears throat> what happened is because they were seeing an increase in work and you know requests and stuff they decided to break that unit out and that's how i got to be there to begin with <clears throat> so one of the things that we looked at when we when i first got there was you know are our policies and procedures currently in line with 17025 i know that's a dirty word <laughs> we can talk about that in a minute uh you know is it in line with that you know is it in line with you know current accepted practices uh best practices and so I spent a lot of time, you know, Swig DE, uh, NIST, uh, you know, those types of sites. And I also spent a lot of time on the blogs because there's like a ton of material out there. And so, you know, and it would give me ideas. And what I was finding is uh, between those sources, you know, we were able to, not that the policies were in bad shape to begin with, but just kind of, you know, put some polish on it and, and make it a little bit better, right? And because you're always looking to improve. Yeah. And, um, what ended up happening, I was like, man, you know, we're getting a lot out of these blogs, you know, and we should probably contribute back somehow uh, because we're, we're getting a lot from it. And so one of the things that we looked at is, okay, how can we contribute? Uh, Devin Ackerman, all right, you guys, he works yeah. for Kroll. I work for him now. Um, he, on his website about DFIR, he had a, like, it was like a research needs uh, page on his site. And one of the things was like, hey, we need an Android 7 image with documentation. And I was like, that seems pretty simple enough. You know, so uh, he paired me up with Jessica Hyde, uh, formerly of Magnet, or with Magnet, depending on who you ask. And, um, <laughs> she, you know, she kind of guided me through that process about, you know, documentation. And, and we had a method of documentation at the lab. And so we just kind of used that as a template. And, and really, the, the template is still in use, uh, even with the latest yeah. ones. And we'll be using it again later in the fall, hopefully. Um, that, you know, how we document things. And, you know, it was just me walking around with the phone and a, a notepad and a pen writing down literally everything that I was doing. Um, and that has evolved over the past couple of years based on what we know these devices are, are tracking. Uh, so what we ended up doing was like, all right, I can do this. And, and we did it and pushed it out. And, you know, he had one, he's like, Hey, we need eight. I was like, Hey, we can do that one too. <laughs> yeah, I, my, <laughs> yeah. my wife had just, uh, gone over from Android to iOS and she, we had this Nexus 5X laying around. I was like, perfect. So I just, I reloaded Android eight on this phone and did it again. And Jessica was like, you know, you need to pick, you know, pick a place where you want to put these images. And so she put me in touch with Simpson Garfinkel over at Digital Capora. And mm -hmm. that's how we ended up putting those there. And it, people were downloading. I'm like, okay, well, we can do nine. I had a Pixel 3, which I'm still using. Um, <laughs> and we're like, okay, we can do this one too. So we put together the Oreo image and did the same thing as before. And the documentation has seemed to gotten to have gotten longer the longer I've been doing this, which is fine. <laughs> I certainly don't mind it, but it's, it, it, um, it takes usually a few weeks to get everything together. And then, you know, maybe another couple of weeks to get the documentation together, you know, basically transcribing it from my notepad to yeah. a word document and then getting it up and, mm -hmm. and out. And then, uh, during the, um, 
the lockdown here last year, last spring, I was looking around. I was like, you know what? There's not an iOS image hanging around anywhere. So um, some people had marked it on Devin's page as in progress, but had been in that status for quite some time. I was like, you know what? My wife just migrated to an iPhone uh, 11 from her SE, so I'm just going to do it. So I restored it. <clears throat> Basically, same thing as Android images and, and uh you know, put that up and, you know, now we're Android 11. Uh, one of the things uh, that I did with iOS 14 was have the accompanying Mac OS image. And I did that on purpose because I was seeing a lot of questions in the DFIR discord channel about, you know, the person did this on the, the Mac. How does that affect the, the synced iOS device and vice versa? Yeah. I was like, all right, that would be yeah. cool to kind of have that readily available so you can see you know what happens on each device when certain actions are taken um and so that was just a matter of me setting up a, a virtual machine of a mac and then just imaging the virtual i didn't want to give the vmdk out uh for obvious reasons but i did it yeah. just i just created a, a image of it and you know put that out as well and ios is a little bit more uh tricky or there's more data with ios because of all the great research that has gone on you know um you know, everything that Sarah Edwards has done, uh, Mattia yeah, Epifani yeah. and, um, I forgot his name, Cheeky Monkey. I, I can't, yeah. I yeah, he, <laughs> he's done a lot of great work with it. Um, Ian Whiffen, uh, has done yeah. some outstanding, you know, the community has just done a lot of great work with iOS. So, you know, stuff like Sysdiagnose Logs, um, mm. you know, I put an Android, the iTunes encrypted backup in there because I know, um, Alexis Brignoni, when he's doing iLeap, likes to tool it for images plus the backups and, uh, so I, I, I usually poll people that I know are doing, a, you know, especially they're making the open source tools uh, to see if there's anything in particular they, that would like to see in images that are coming up. So, yeah. um, you know, a lot of feedback comes from people that are writing the tools. And, and I'm also looking at like, you know, app reviews, you know, the news, what apps are currently hot. Uh, you know, questions about things I see in the DFR Discord channel, things that come up on the IASIS listserv. Uh, so I'm, I'm constantly making mental notes about things and, you know, and plus my own experiences about, okay, you know, what, what should we put in this image that would be beneficial to, that would help answer questions uh, that we currently don't have answered that we don't, we don't understand. Yeah. And so, like I said, it was just, it started out as, as, trying to contribute back and it just kind of ballooned into this whole <laughs> this whole thing which I, I'm completely fine with right it, and it because it benefits me as well uh, and then mm. I've got a test set or a, a set of test data that I can get to that I can research when I get around to it when I have time uh, but it also benefits everybody else for that exact same reason and you know I know I see hits on the blog from like educational institutions. I do see MSAB pop up in, in that URL list occasionally, yeah. so which, which is fine. I, you know, as if people are using it to make their tools better, that, that is outstanding. And that was one of the intentions that I had was like, you know, let's put this out here and then everybody can use it however they see fit. Yeah, I, I think I started with your image. I was running a webinar series about how to use Examine. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what's more transparent than using an image that's out there for everybody. Right. So I'm not just using one that I've created that's going to show off all the best of that examine. Right. And it's typically, hey, go away. You can grab this image and validate what I'm telling you. Right. And 
so that's when, and I think I reached out to you mm-hmm. last year and told you that I was using it for the webinar. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I probably need to put a disclaimer on the page. I, I usually put a little blurb on, like, "Hey, you, it's free to use for anything." <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. you know, I certainly understand. At least with the with the business organizations, you know, the you know the question about you know, is it cool if we use this? I'm completely yeah. fine with it. Um, you know, it, yeah, I, think, I think your little disclaimer is just literally, please just reference back to it. I, I, quite frankly, I don't even care if that happens. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, the, thing, the, the, the way I view it is that if if vendors and open tool or open source tool people are using these things to make their tools better, that benefits me, and it benefits everybody else. And I think yeah. if that is happening, I am happy. That you know, that's the biggest thing. As long as you know people are learning from it and able to improve tools and improve our not our overall knowledge base mm. uh in the dfir community that's i am happy that's that's the intent yeah well i mean ultimately if you if, if we've got a lot of for instance law enforcement uh folks who are using the images to improve their skills their understanding their knowledge then those investigations are going to benefit those those victims are going to benefit and, and also kind of any any suspects or defendants who might be innocent who would benefit from people who actually know what they're doing. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> the, that forensic work. Right. The, Everyone benefits. Right. The administration of criminal justice, regardless of which way it goes, right, that is, yeah. you know, key. And, yeah. um, you know, some people may not like that, but that's how the systems work. That's how they're supposed to work. And so, like you said, if it does it to where, you know, somebody is correctly convicted or correctly, you know, acquitted, that's that's fine. That's how it's supposed to work. Yeah, the systems work, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Um, so I, I think I, I think I speak for for everyone when I say that there's a great amount of appreciation for the amount of work that you've done, yeah. um, for the community and the images that you produce and stuff. I know you. I, I just try to get back where I can, man. Like, like I said, that, that's that's how that started. But that's because you're just such a nice guy. <laughs> so, so you, how did your wife? Feel? I was going to say, could right, you tell my wife, wife that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's, she's going to watch the pod, right? Afterwards, she doesn't watch anything yeah. I do. She no. the the, okay. the funny thing about that is she she's you know I tell her something she's like nerdy stuff nerdy stuff nerdy stuff nerd 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 that's that's all I hear so that's you know <laughs> I get exactly the same oh yeah it's it, it's funny and she know but she knows when I'm doing stuff because you know instead of carrying one phone around I'm carrying around like three and yeah. uh, like here the past few days I've been carrying around my personal phone my work phone and then two Android phones for an article that I'm getting ready to push out hopefully before too long. Yeah. I, there's some, uh, Alexis and I have been doing some coordination on, on this particular subject matter. So, uh, nice. yeah, so it'll be, hopefully he'll have, uh, a, it's an Android based article. Uh, so hopefully a leap will be told, but that that's kind of how he and I operate. Like I'll pass him some yeah. research and, some test data and he'll get it up and told. And then that way, when I publish the article, he's ready, you know, a leap is already yeah. ready to roll. And I know he does the same thing with uh, Kevin Bacano, uh, Pagano because, you know, Kevin's doing like a ton of work right now. It's really good. Uh, you know, both for um, Android and iOS. So, uh, yeah. So this article will be interesting for sure. There's a, there's, there's a lot going on. So, are you seeing many mobile devices in your in the corporate world? Obviously, they've managed through MDM sort of solutions. Mm-hmm. But are you getting any of those sort of exhibits to examine? Yes, although I will say that we've. Se- and again, I'm not at the top level, so I don't see everything that comes into the practice. But I w- it feels like we're getting more, and I think that's because corporate 
and um, you know their general counsel understand that you know especially now with a lot of people working remotely that you know phones are can be a critical piece of evidence for whatever matter it, it, it is so yeah. it's, it does seem it feels like we're, we're getting more mobile cases than when I first started and now that could have been just them kind of throttling the work uh, coming my way which is fine because uh, <laughs> I got plenty uh, but uh, you know it does definitely feel that and like I said I think the, the corporate world is starting to, to realize what law enforcement has known for quite some time that you know a lot of times you know a, a mobile device is the person's lone computer and uh, you know I know plenty of people that you know don't have you know a laptop or, or desktop unit they have an iPad or an iPhone or you know a yeah, Samsung yeah. tablet or Android phone. like and I, I'll tell you personally if it wasn't for the research uh, component I would not have my Mac sitting here I would be iPad and iPhone. That's all I need. Yeah, yeah, and and well, we were we were talking just before we went on air, weren't we, about the Windows three six five and, and kind yes. of virtualization of desktops and and kind of having your your kind of uh, your desktop as a service as opposed to right. um, physically kind of attached to your machine and kind of installing your machine and. You, you you mentioned kind of people just using iPads and, and phones, and actually it makes it possible with that kind of virtualization for people to not to ditch the laptops to, yeah, to that ditch is absolutely the correct. computers and yeah um, and you know one one of the things that we were kind of discussing as well which I think is a very interesting piece is is what that actually means for forensics and forensic practitioners for investigations yeah. like you know mm-hmm. you no longer go in and seize the laptop and, and dump it or seize the computer and, and, and image the hard drives you it's all, it's all like there. Yeah, yeah, and, right. And it's you know it, it'll be it will be interesting to see how that uh, shakes out uh, from like you said from from a forensic component, right? Because we're not going to mm. like you said we don't have the physical thing anymore. How is that going to affect us as practitioners when we need to uh, to be able to examine that yeah. thing? You know, is Microsoft going to have some type of mechanism that we can use? To examine these things, or are these yeah. <clears throat> are these kind of like um, you know a VDI environment where you know you use it once and the machine's you know blown away and reset yeah. basically, and all that data, mm-hmm. all that user data is gone. You know, how's that going to look? I mean, yeah, I, I feel sure that they pro- dig some glacier buckets up and <laughs> right, like yeah, and you know it, it's going to be. You would hope that Microsoft has got has had time to think about this. Uh, that they're going to have a you know there's going to be a need for this. And uh, if, you know, fingers crossed, they, they've got that, you know, set up or almost set up to where you know we can use it from an investigative standpoint. Yeah, yeah. and and I mean, it, it, we've mentioned it before on, the, on previous podcasts, haven't we? With um, uh, this kind of this concept of um, the the acquisition and the uh, imaging and the, the kind of the physically getting the data for in a forensics perspective mm-hmm. is. Is possibly over the next few years going to start kind of tailing off um, and becoming less common because all the data is actually being run and hosted and housed by these service providers. So I think it's going to be more a case of law enforcement working with those service providers yeah. to request access to that data. Right. Uh, they're going to have to forensics is going to be more about the analysis, less about the acquisition. Yeah, they're going to, a lot of the law enforcement agencies are going to have to get their search warrants and court orders. You know, polished. Because <laughs> yes. it's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah it, you know, how's that going to get delivered to us, right? Are they just going to send us a VMDK 
you know, or video, yeah. uh, you know, some virtual hard disk format, mm-hmm. or are we just going to get a blob of, you know, zip file that's just got a blob of data in it? You know, how yeah. how that's going to work? And uh, and are we are they going to kind of say, oh, we can't, we can't, it's encrypted without the keys? Or are they going to yeah. say, yeah, we, yeah, we do, but we don't tell anyone? Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It. Are they going to are they going to pull an app? Be? Are they going to pull an Apple and you know, oh, here you go, yeah. just, just don't tell anybody. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're not going to look. Yeah. But, um, talk, talking about Apple and and kind of and service providers, mm-hmm. uh, recent news that um, we've been talking about as well, the, the CSAM stuff that Apple have now said that they're going to be starting to do. Yeah. And, and I mean, how? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? How, how, I mean, because there's obviously the privacy angle as well as the law enforcement angle. Right. You know, it that is a very tight wire to, to walk. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and, and blogs, oh, Apple's, you know, they're lying. They're not really cool with privacy because they're scanning stuff. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I've seen some some pretty balanced analysis about it, right? I, you know, I'm an iOS and iPad. OS. I, I live in the Apple ecosystem, uh, you know, personally. And uh, I, I like being able to do, like, my banking and sensitive stuff on, you know, like, you know, scheduling my child's doctor's appointments or scheduling a doctor's appointment for me or looking up, you know, whatever. You know, it's mm. – I like, you know, that walled garden – you know, is it really walled? We don't know, uh, you know, because I know that, that this brings up another issue about, you know, how there's limited visibility into iOS, generally speaking, uh, as mm. far as security research is concerned. Now, I don't know if you guys caught it, but Apple dropped their lawsuit against Corellium a couple, I think it was a couple of days ago or maybe last week. Um, and I use, I have used Corellium and uh, have learned a lot from, you know, using Corellium yeah. and, um, you know, but getting back to the CSAM stuff, it's it's tricky, right? You have to balance the privacy need with the need to, uh, you know, kind of not have that type of material in your environment. And I, and, yeah. and frankly, I think that most ISPs, um, you know, struggle with that, right? Google's. Yeah. Um, you know, other service providers that have storage, you know, Microsoft, you know, they're strong, you know, they struggle with that as well. And, um, I don't want to say that Apple painted itself into a corner by saying, you know, the, what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. Yeah. Uh, but they, they may have from a marketing perspective at this point, but I think that, you know, if you look at the the mechanics about behind what they're doing, some of like some of the cryptology, I, I don't understand, but I, I can understand the, the, the method uh, you know, it seems like that there was a lot of thought put into it. Some people will disagree with that opinion, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it seems like there was a lot of thought put into it and, you know, they also have to take in consideration the people that they're going to have that eventually have to review this material. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, the three of us have looked at that material. It's not light material. It is heavy material. You know, even one having to look at it, you know, it can, it can burn your soul it, it can yeah. be that bad without even realizing yeah yes. yeah. And, yeah and you can sit there and, and it will take a toll um 
my wife was a former uh, federal prosecutor here in North Carolina, and she did a lot of those cases as well from a federal thing. And she, she'll tell you, she's like, I don't even want to look at it. You just, I'm going to rely on law enforcement to describe it for me. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of attorneys uh, that I encountered in my law enforcement career had that same mentality. So a few would look at it, but most of them were like, no. And, you know, defense attorneys, you know, they would say the same thing. You know, like, we, we don't look at it. So, you know, Apple, you know, has got this infrastructure they've set up to where, you know, they've got people evaluating this material before they, they push it out. But, you know, there's a lot that comes along with it. But, you know, I think they've they've tried the best that they can with what they've got to, to balance privacy mm-hmm. and, you know, a larger societal need. Well, an equally large societal need to, you know, kind of rid platform of, of that material it'll be interesting to see i know a lot of people are, are crying you know hey if they can do this they can do other things for you know these other you know these regimes and these you know these yeah. other countries that uh you know are less democratic or not democratic uh so it's um it'll be interesting to see how this how this shakes out it's like anything else new when you change something you know people hate change <laughs> so yes. uh, you know yeah, uh, but sure. but those of us that have done this work and understand the um the gravity of the situation and how prevalent it is uh you know certainly i think applaud apple for doing it but you know it's like you said phil the, the privacy thing is always in the back of your mind and, um, yeah, and there's, uh, there was a really good quote. Um, I'll see if I can read it out here. From there was a the BBC article um, actually kind of talking about Apple's announcement, um, and they've quoted um, a security researcher called Matthew Green mm-hmm. um, from Johns Hopkins University, mm-hmm. um, and the quote is that uh, he said, regardless of what Apple's long-term plans are, they've sent a very clear signal. In their very influential opinion, it is safe to build systems that scan users' phones for prohibited content. Whether they turn out to be right or wrong on that point hardly matters. This will break the dam. Governments will demand it from everyone. Yeah, and you know they fought this battle before, right? With San Bernardino, mm-hmm. you know, years ago, uh, when they were approached by the federal government here to, you know, and I won't get into the mechanics of that, but. Uh, you know, to do, you know, the federal government asked them to, to do what they could do to get in to that five, the iPhone 5C. And if you, mm-hmm. if you notice things have gotten, you know, exponentially harder to get into now since that time, I don't find that to be a coincidence, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and I, you want your users to trust you and from a, you know, from a business perspective, right? That's how you attract users to your platform. But if you think about it, yeah, they're scanning stuff on the device, but other service providers have been scanning stuff as well. If you think about it, like Microsoft scans their infrastructure. You know, if I upload a photo to OneDrive, it's getting scanned. Yeah. Uh, you know, Google's doing the same thing. If I transmit a, uh, you know, a bad attachment in Gmail, they're scanning it. And and so it's it's been going on for some time. I just don't think that, and it could be the general public understands that. Maybe they don't. I don't. I don't know. But I, I, I think probably not. I think more than more than anything. Um, I think there's a there's a, a lack of not for anyone's fault, but I think there's a lack of appreciation of like you were saying a minute ago, just just how widespread and prevalent some of this stuff is. Yeah. 
it, and, and, and how often it gets uploaded to those, those yeah. platforms. My first little bit of time in our computer crime unit was doing nothing but cyber tips. I was the, uh, myself, and we had an intelligence analyst that was assigned to the tips. Uh, she and I worked in conjunction uh, handling every cyber tip that came into North Carolina. And, you know, you're talking thousands a year. And so, like, it, there would be days where I would I would come into the office and we got, like, 250 new cyber tips. And, you know, now, from my I still keep in uh, touch with a lot of the, the folks from that unit. And the numbers have just increased exponentially since I've left. And, you know, all of that. And that's because the service providers, there's a statutory responsibility uh, through the Adam Walsh Act here that they, you know, they make sure that their platforms are clear of the stuff, and if they detect it, then they have an obligation to report it to NCMEC. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys have something similar there in the UK or some, some type of regulation, but that that's how it operates here is that there there is a um, legal obligation to report it, and so that's what they're doing. You know, Google does it. You know, Snapchat does it. You know, all of these service providers. You know, think about all the apps on your phone. You know, they're doing it. Mm-hmm. You may not realize that they're doing it, but they're doing it. Yeah, and, because WhatsApp came out just a few days ago, and I've noticed when I've listened to podcasts in my car that WhatsApp are preceding every podcast with their advertisements, mm-hmm. saying pretty much how bad Apple is. Right. Oh, yeah. But, you know, yeah. they're not scanning your yeah. data, but you know they, they, they totally <laughs> are. I mean, that's, yeah. and, and, you know, the other thing is, too, is when and, – and the reason this comes to mind is because of some research I'm, I'm working on right now. But, uh, you know, you agree to their terms of service. Yeah. Right. And so mm-hmm. part of that terms of service, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's scrolling and scrolling or pages to pages of stuff. You're agreeing. To, yeah. yeah. I'm, I do the same thing. Yeah. I, take the box. yeah. Please just let me into this phone. Um, I, you know, people are agreeing to it. And if you have a problem with it, then just don't get on the platform or don't, yeah. you know, don't do whatever this objectionable behavior is uh, that you, that you, want to do you know just stay off the platform go use an android phone a lot of people will probably do that uh but you know all the service providers you know even if even if google is not scanning an android device you know if you're signed into google a lot of your stuff is getting pushed up to google they're scanning it there and i don't think people fully comprehend that that's that's been going on for a, a while now yeah, it's. It, I I do find it funny sometimes. I have the uh, some people about the, the privacy side kind of kicking off, kind of saying, "Oh, the, these these applications, these platforms are watching us. They're scanning us. They're, they're tracing. You know, don't go on these platforms. You'll you're being followed." And they'll push this stuff out on like Facebook. Yeah. Things like yeah. That. Way, way to way to keep that secret, right? <laughs> yeah. If you yeah, you're on the wrong platform. If you're privacy, you're concerned with privacy. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. I, so, it, yeah. Honestly, you know, the, the these phones, I mean, people live and die by phones now, right? And yeah. I think in law enforcement, we've understood that for quite some time that, you know, that is a great source of information about what's going on in a person's life. Who are they talking to? What are they doing? Yeah. Right? I mean, I just said a few minutes ago, like, I, I'm doing banking on my phone or my iPad. If you were to seize that, you would see things that I'm interested in based on my search history and, yeah. uh, you know, that I you know, spend most of my time reading blogs and, you know, it's just, yeah. Well, the, the key thing with mobile sort of devices and forensics is computer forensics. The hardest part was putting somebody in that chair behind that computer. Absolutely. With phones, yep. 
you don't have that issue. right because we're taking them out of the pocket right legally yeah. right yeah. it's you know if, yeah. under, you know how are that and you, checks out and you, but, you you've got biometric logins and things like that all of that's getting kind of logged onto the devices yeah. and stuff and so you can actually put that person that phone in that person's hand yeah and it's so, you know in the research that's been done, like Sarah Edwards when you know her research on knowledge C, that was a game changer, yes. right? I mean now we yes. can see every little thing that is going on on an iOS device. Well, you mentioned the dirty word earlier about ISO, so I can say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but back at my old lab, they used to have, run a thing where they would validate the data that come off the handset, mm-hmm. whether they were using cell breaks or white mm-hmm. oxygen, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'd do the extraction, get the data, and then if the job involved WhatsApp. The part of the validation would be right. Go onto the handset, scroll through WhatsApp to ensure that those messages have come out. Yeah, and that was part of the plan. And I got a job doing analytics on WhatsApp, and it was about whether a person had entered the chat thread. Mm-hmm. And WhatsApp stores like event logs. That's right. But it only does the last four days, or I can't remember exactly. But so I argued against that requirement for ISO. I said you should not be going in and validating this data because you're overwriting logs that would prove, and it did prove for this particular job, I needed that data. Mm-hmm. And, not, but, and not only that, if you have to turn that device over to opposing counsel, what are they going to see? Yeah. Right? And they, they yeah. can cry foul if they say, well, wait a second, the lab reported this, but we did it and it doesn't, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. ISO, I mean, we could talk about that all day. <laughs> we might need another <laughs> yeah. podcast for that one. We'll yeah. need another episode yeah. on ISO, I, I think. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll, I will say this about ISO. Um, I, my law enforcement background was very policy-driven. So uh, being in an ISO environment was not that big of a deal. But I, and I still have this opinion of it even today, that I'm not sure 17025 is necessarily the best fit for digital forensics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it certainly is a good fit for other sciences, uh, you know, testing labs and where they're testing things, right? Yeah. But I've always looked at digital forensics as, you know, we're more or less doing a crime scene search, you know, and, and some people may disagree with me about that. But I, I look at, we have a, a venue you know, a piece of media or a phone that we're having to investigate to see what, you know, what evidence is there. And I'm not sure, like I said, I'm, I'm not sure 17025 is the best fit. Uh, you know, the lab that I was at actually explored going to 17020, uh, mm-hmm. not a subset of 25, but just a different set of standards. And, yes. you know, they, uh, you know, they made an inquiry to, to us in the digital forensics unit, how, you know, how would that affect operations? And I had, I ended up talking to somebody who, uh, you know, was doing regular, was regularly auditing uh, ISO organizations. And he, he said, you know what, don't even bother to make the switch because eventually what's going to happen is the same requirements in 2.0 are going to be what's in 2.5. He's like, you're just better to stay put and keep doing what you're doing. And I, I still, you know, having done the work and having to supervise people that do the work in that, in that environment, uh, you know, it's, I can see where there, where there's a little bit of uh, grumpiness with it in that, you know, you're almost having to pigeonhole an examiner into doing things a certain way. When we all know that in digital forensics, not everything is a nail. So not everything requires a hammer and right. You, you know, you're going to approach an examination based on what you know about the current situation and, you know, what tools are available and what you're good at using, what you're skilled at using and what, you know, 
some places require that you certify to use a particular tool. And it's, you know, it pigeonholing somebody like that, I think does a disservice not only to the examiner, but to the exam. Right. And, And, you know, Policies, I think, in that in 17025 need to be crafted in such a way to give an examiner a little bit of wiggle room when they're doing their uh, exams. So, yeah. You know, because if if you if you put them doing it a certain way, it's a, there's a potential you can miss something, which is the whole point of 1705. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to miss anything, uh, but yeah, you could exactly. inadvertently do that if they're doing something a certain way and they're not you know looking in a particular location or you know you know whatever the case may be. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that I, in my short stint at the lab, was trying to encourage the guys. Like, you know, we can kind of do these over, you know, fairly general policies about how we approach exams, but it's up to you, the examiner, based on your skills and knowledge and the collective knowledge of the group about how you... To make those judgments. Right, how you approach... Right, exactly. You want them to exercise judgment. You want them to use their intuition about, okay, I see this artifact. Where I need to go over here now and look for this other artifact. And you, you want them to follow those to the logical conclusion, yeah. not just stop. You know, if yeah. you've got a lead, follow it. Right. And, and I think that some, some policies can limit that, um, that I won't say freedom, but like I said, Adam, limit the judgment of the examiner. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're exactly spot on. I went out to a customer site, was showing them how to use a new feature of, and um, they were like, oh, I, I don't do it like that. And I sort of asked a question because it was a fairly young examiner, but why do you do it that way? Because that's what my set of procedures tell me to do. Yeah. So exactly like you just yeah. said, they're not thinking. Yeah, and, that, and I think that, the, you know, we I think it's important for us to be able to think on the fly and, you know, yeah. look at what we've got, the, the set of facts that we have, and be able to draw conclusions and follow leads, at, you know, as they unfold. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I certainly understand the validation component. And that was another reason we did the, we did the public images is because then we had test data that we could validate against. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, you know, it's, you want to be able to validate these things, but you know, you bring up a good point. You know, you need to be mindful about how you do your validation because you could be inadvertently doing something that you're trying to avoid, i.e. Yeah. altering evidence yes. uh, yeah. you know but I you know the way 17025 was always explained to me was like it, you know 17025 is basically just evaluating you to make sure that you're doing what you say what you say that you're doing and yeah. and that's a good way to look at it but I think that there also needs to be some consideration in the in the policies I think that it's good uh, that you know DFIR in general has a set of standards that we as a community can agree upon we, you know, we're not ever going to be a hundred percent agreeance on how things should be approached. Right. Uh, but I think that it's important for us to, to have some common ground on some things about what are, you know, what's accepted and what is not accepted. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. We could, like you say, we could go on. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. We could. Yeah. We could go on for a very long time and, and maybe we will, maybe we'll have a, an ISO, dedicated podcast because what you, you know what you're saying no. the O2O and all that really really yeah, is interesting, interesting. So, yeah um yeah so we'd yeah we'll 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 once again kind of park that I think. that's fine um, i will come back we and we can of, talk about it all day <laughs> that would that would be great i think yeah that'd be great that would be um that'd be make for a really interesting show yeah so yes please that'd be brilliant um one final thing i want to ask mm-hmm. you um again 
because of the, the you know the, the the audience that we do get from the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, for any of those new upcoming aspiring um, uh, individuals, kind of getting into digital forensics mm-hmm. or IR or kind of whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, and maybe those people that are kind of just picking up those. For, uh, procedures and policies and not have the <laughs> opportunity to innovate and, and all that kind of stuff themselves mm-hmm. yeah um do you from from your experience in, and uh kind of your, your time in the industry have you got any kind of tips or advice that you might want to give to them on like kind of their learning their development kind of how to approach the, the work in the industry or anything it doesn't have to be any, just a little little nugget of wisdom yeah I, and i, I think I think Heather may have discussed this on the podcast, but I, I know that this is said a lot, but it's said a lot because it's true. You know, pick up your own devices and generate, you know what's on your devices, right? You know what's there and just test them, right? Just, you know, do a couple of, you know, take a couple of actions on your device and then, you know, if it's iOS, just pull an iTunes back up. Uh, you know, if it's Android, you know, Rooting helps a lot. You know, getting root level access to an Android helps a lot, uh, especially now with the newer phones. It's, it's getting tougher to get into them. Uh, you may not necessarily want to root your own phone, but you know, get a test device. Right? <laughs> you can pick. You can pick a cheap device up off of eBay or Amazon, uh, and and, th- and that's where I get mine. Uh, I just you know have to hunt around for a good one that that looks decent, and then I'll I'll pick it off. But you know. Doing your own testing and just kind of tinkering with it, uh, you know, the blogs are, are great, but the blogs can get a little heavy, especially if you're newer to the field. Um, yeah. You know, it's quite daunting. I it, think. it can be. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of information out there, but, you know, there's good resources, right? I've, I've mentioned like DFI or Discord is a fantastic resource. Andrew has done a lot of good work with that. Um, DFI or Diva, she's got a lot of great stuff on her site, especially for for newcomers to the industry. Uh, I highly recommend her site. Um, Kevin Pagano has got his Start Me page, uh, got a lot of great resources on there. Uh, you know, Digital Capora has got a lot of test images besides mine. Uh, so if you know mobile's not your thing, you want to do you know desktop, laptop, they've got images for that as well. Uh, you know, and, and generate your own test data. Uh, I, I think this was brought up during the SANS summit uh, when the, the group did their, their mobile validation stuff. They were talking about generating test data. And I think it's important that, you know, to generate test data is super easy. You just grab a phone, a pen, and a pad, and you just start writing down everything that you're, you're doing. And then, you know, grab an image or grab the data and see how it looks. You know, that helps you understand. We learn by doing. And... Um, it's, you know, my images are great, but they're not all encompassing. And I think that uh, there's, there's been a little bit of misunderstanding about what these images contain, right? If you have a particular uh, investigation you're doing, regardless of whether it's corporate or, you know, law enforcement, you know, you may have this one-off situation that you're looking into. My image may or may not have it. The best way to approach that is to generate your own test data and then look at it. And, um, you know, I'm a big proponent. That's how I do it. Right. I, that's how I, that's how I learned, uh, was by, you know, writing stuff down, what am I doing? And then taking a look at it. whether it be something on the fly, like I'm doing now, or with one of my images, I'd be like, Oh yeah, I did this. What did I write down at that particular time? And I still have people contact me that are looking at my images saying, Hey, you've got this entry here. What, what does this mean? I still have my notepads all the way back to the Android seven image. 
So even if it's not on the documentation, if I didn't, I can look contextually and see what was going on. I can probably tell you what was happening. Uh, So I think it's important to learn as you go, but also lean on others. The, the, the body of knowledge is, is like you said, Phil, it's daunting. Uh, it's hard to know where it is. I did exactly what you're talking about for that WhatsApp job. Mm-hmm. Is I carried out a test, populated the test data, so I could then stand and give evidence. That's correct. With 100% authority that this is what right. happens. Right, because they they yeah. probably, if if you had gone to court or if you, if you did, they're probably going to ask you, well, how do you know this? What yeah. better way to answer that question is because I did it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, you know, then you're talking to the person that's the source of the data, <laughs> and and, yeah. and and that goes a long way with juries. Uh, you know, so there, there's a lot to be said about generating your own test data. Um, you know, it's it, everybody says it, and people may you know kind of brush it off, but it's it's true, and that's why we say it as much as we do is because it's important. So, you know, the resources are available, uh, the community is available. Uh, Twitter tends to be a great spot for the FIR stuff. Got this yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, kicking and screaming, I will, but I, got I will say this about Twitter. When the Kaseya stuff started kicking off, you know, what was the last month? Um, I keep an iPad below my monitors that I, that I use at work and my Twitter just started lighting up like a Christmas tree. I'm like, what is going on? And I look and everybody's talking about Kaseya. I'm like, what in the world? And then that whole thing unfolded. But a lot of people will push you know, if you think about Twitter, it's a microblogging site at the end of the day. And so people are going to push out these like quick tidbits of information. I do it, uh, you know, about stuff that they find and they put the DFIR hashtag behind it. Uh, you know, great source of information. You need to vet it, obviously, uh, but uh, still can be a really good source of information about, you know, whatever DFIR thing you may be looking, you know, whether it be mobile, desktop, IR, uh, malware. Uh, I, I learned a lot of stuff about ransomware uh, from from Twitter. I, like people will post links to their articles, and then I go read them, uh, and that's where I, I did a lot of learning with ransomware. And even to this day, like Google is my best friend. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, yeah. couldn't agree more. So that great advice there. Mm-hmm. Basically, be curious, be nosy. Absolutely generate data and see what's happening yeah being nosy this is one of those situations where being nosy is not a bad thing yes to be to be to be um to be i think successful in digital forensics you have to be overly curious i think so you have to want to find out you have to always push why why yeah i could not agree more um like like a really annoying child Mm -hmm. like why but why but why? Correct. <laughs> right. Which I just tell you. Yes. Same here. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, uh, Josh, just looking at the time, mm-hmm. um, we, we are cracking on. We? And we've still got we've still got more to ask of you in mm-hmm. a bit. So, um, but for 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 what you've kind of just uh, th- thank you so much oh, for, for yeah. being with it's us. A pleasure. Thank you for having me talking to us yeah. uh, it has been our pleasure honestly um, and we would genuinely love to have you back yeah. um, to talk about ISO or whatever else comes to mind yeah. ISO is a great subject I know yes. it tends to be a sore subject with DFR especially because I think you guys are, are mandated in you know there in the UK yes. it has not yeah. gotten to that point yet here uh, but mm. a lot of organizations are either seeking certification because you know other places have it the courts are start, you know starting to expect it 
I, you know, either these places are getting it or they're closing shop. So it's, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I don't think it's as prevalent as it is with you guys over there, but I think it's, it, it's coming here more slowly. I think. Yes. It will, it will slowly bleed across and kind of, yeah. 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 It will, it, it'll hit. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that'd be great. So, um, so yeah, for, for this part of the show, mm-hmm. thank you ever so much. Uh, really, really appreciate your time yeah. and, uh, love chatting to you and we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll hopefully see you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, i really enjoyed that yeah I'm, i could speak to josh all day yes I really could. and we pretty much did didn't we yeah we took up two and a half two hours of his time nearly yeah yeah we yeah. just kept talking and the thing is that i think he'll agree he's as bad as us yes yeah i definitely think we met our match uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think josh could definitely sit here with a blazer on and he could fine. yeah he could yes definitely um yeah, we do need to get those blazers done. Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, once again, thank you, Josh, um, for, for kind of taking the time. Um, but I think without further ado... Um, yeah, we'll we move on? on to his amazing forensic faux pas. Here it is. Okay. Forensic faux pas time. Um, yeah. Obviously, Josh... We couldn't let you go without sharing some kind of embarrassing uh, or hilarious story <laughs> of something that has gone wrong. Um, for anyone who's new to, to the show or doesn't know the Forensic Faux Pas, we ask our, our guests to kind of reveal maybe some, some kind of embarrassing or funny situation where something hasn't gone quite right within the forensic environment. Um, I, I think I've got, obviously, I've got one that might be embarrassing on. and funny at the same time. <laughs> uh. um, so feel, feel, please do feel free to anonymize it if needs be in any way you okay. need to. Kind of, you don't have to kind of mm-hmm. reference it. But um, if you if you're willing to share one, we would we would absolutely. Oh love yeah, to hear absolutely. It. Uh, so I I'll start out by saying this: I have done like many other people where I have forensic or uh, imaged my own forensic workstation. <laughs> I, yeah, the, the uh, I have caped, you know, things that are, you know, caped my own machine by accident because I pointed at the wrong direction. Yeah, so I've, I'm guilty as charged there. Uh, but <laughs> one that, that sticks out uh, to me uh, was something that actually happened at Kroll uh, shortly after I started. And um, just to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of recoup on, or recap on my background, I come from law enforcement and, uh, you know, criminal justice lab. Uh, and, in both of those places, I was not in a position to do really any IR work traditionally. So, uh, you know, it wasn't until I got to crawl that uh, I, you know, really got my feet into to dealing with IR-related matters, one of which being ransomware. And ransomware uh, can be nerve. I kind of consider ransomware almost like dealing with explosives, you know, and, uh, and and even now, even two years in, I I still get a, my palms start sweating a little bit when I click a mouse and I'm having to you know click around the ransomware. <laughs> so the wrong yeah, oh, yeah. No. And so um, I had been at Crawl, I think maybe two or three months at that point, and uh, at the time, Ryuk ransomware was uh, really hitting hard, uh, at least from from our perspective. And I won't tell you the client or anything, uh, obviously, but. Uh, I had been working, uh, the, the client had sent us a uh, VMDK of a particular host that they wanted us to look at, and it turns out it was pertinent to, to our investigation. The problem with the VMDK, though, was that it was too large 
for to fit on my forensic workstation. And so what we did is we uploaded it to a network share uh, where I could work on it uh, without tying up my workstation storage. And my workstation mm -hmm. is, is virtual. So um, what happened is I just I mapped the, the network drive location where the image was and fired up X-Ways and started poking around. And so uh, it turns out this particular host had Ryke went ransomware on it. And one of the things that Ryke will do uh, is that it will replicate itself into the C user's public directory. Uh, a lot of times we see, you know, there'll be like 15 or 20 new executables in there. Uh, they're mm -hmm. all named differently. Uh, the, the last three of the file name kind of give you an indication about what's going on with it. Um, and you, you just see a whole bunch of executables. They're pro they're all writing, right? And uh, so I was working in X-Ways on this, uh, you know, virtual disk that was network and uh, on the network. And the network was really slow that day. And uh, <laughs> what was happening is, is X-Ways, I would, you know, click on something and, and X-Ways would take a second. Uh, and then it would come around and it would it show me. Basically, it was probably just trying to cache data uh, to where it, it could, you know, uh, render what I needed to look at. So mm -hmm. I'm poking around, and I had already done some light triage work uh, on this host, and I knew where the, the executables were uh, located and that were in the public, where the public uh, users count. And so I'm, I'm clicking on I need to go back into the, the uh, public. I needed to go into the desktop uh, directory path for that thing. So I clicked on public and I got the blue windows wheel of wait and the screen turned white. So yeah. I'm, I'm waiting a second. So I wait about a minute and then it, the screen comes back, the wheel goes away and it just sits there. It didn't go into the public directory. So this, you know, I click it again and it doesn't do anything. And then it, it pops. And then it, the problem was, is my cursor when it went into the root of the thing, my cursor was right over one of the right ransomware executables. And it, and it, <laughs> and it highlighted it. And in X-Ways, if you double click on something, and you know it'll probably open. And so it sat there for a second and it, it highlighted the right. So it, it registered a click there. And I'm like, yikes. And I immediately shut my range. I'm, I'm looking, like I immediately pull up task manager <laughs> and I don't see anything like there's not a sudden spike in activity and I don't see any like yeah. weird process. And I'm, I'm sweating bullets at this point. I'm like dying. <laughs> so I immediately shut down my VM and I call my boss and I'm like, dude, and, and, and I had just left government work. Right. So I'm immediately thinking, I'm like, yeah. I just host our entire environment. And because one of the things Ryan will do is it will actually spread across the network over, uh, you know, if, if there's something attached, whether it be physically or network attached, it's going out there and it's going to, yeah. it's mm -hmm. going to hose the whole thing. And I called him and I told him what happened and he just started chuckling and I'm like, okay. And I'm like that, that meme from the Simpsons where that kid's sitting on the bus and he's like, I'm in danger. That's what I'm thinking. Right. And I'm like, I'm I just got here and I'm getting ready to leave. And he, he he's like, dude, that that happens, that's happened to everybody, and and so he's like, and he does, and so um, we have a, a lab in Kroll that kind of administers our stuff, and uh, so I emailed them and I cc'd him and um, uh, you know my next level supervisor, I was like, here's what happened, 
and I shut it off, but I don't know if anything else happened. And we uh, we do have EDR technology in place that monitors our stuff. And uh, they were like, well, we haven't gotten any dings from, from the EDR, but we'll take a look. So they they just look into my VM. They actually don't start it. And, they, and I told him exactly what had happened. He's like, we're not really seeing anything, but we're going to have to blow away your virtual machine and rebuild you a new one. And I, the problem <laughs> was, is like I had a couple of active engagements running at that particular point. And so I, I did, fortunately, we're really good about keeping stuff in shared locations and, and things are, are very well siloed. Like my VM is separated from other stuff where I would document parts yeah. of my investigation. And so that part was still intact. Uh, but my VM and all that triage and forensic work and all my tools and stuff is like gone. And so, uh, come and they didn't, of course they didn't tell me this at first. I found this out after the fact, but, um, and of course this was after I got made fun of for like several weeks after the fact, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you ransomed yourself. Way to go. You know, um, but they, they had implemented a, uh, a restriction that nothing could execute from the network, and, but nobody told me that. And they just, you know, they just, <laughs> just exactly. Let you sweat it. And they, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I was like, either they, either they told us that during onboarding, or I just didn't, you know, I wasn't paying attention, or they didn't tell us one of one of the two. So, uh, but yeah, I, I can't express to you how much I, I was sweating for like the rest of the day. Uh, and then getting pinged in our our messaging application. Uh, you know, hey, I heard you had a little accident over there, man. You know, way to, way to come to Kroll and screw it up, right? And it's, I mean, yeah. that's just how, you know, we, Kroll's a great place to work and, you know, we get along and we can, we can joke with each other. And that's, that's, that was, uh, you know, what that was. But, you know, even now, you know, dealing with ransomware, it's like I said, I still get nervous, you know, dealing with it, but it's, especially, uh, you know, when it comes to the analysis part, because we do have some, some methods that we use to, to do malware analysis, uh, you know, and it's always in the back of my mind about, you know, ransoming myself, obviously, but, you know, you know, kicking <laughs> off, you know, Emotet or TrickBot or PipeBot or Iced ID or, you know, some other banking yeah. trojan on my VM. Uh, fortunately, yeah. we do have, you know, mechanisms in place that, that will detect and prevent that. Um, but it's, you don't want to be that guy. Or girl, right? You, you don't want to be no. that person that, that, that does that uh, because you're going to get made fun of. You know, and that, it, it, it's it's one of those things that no, will never go no, it, you know, <laughs> you know, Whether I retire from Kroll in 20 years or you know I leave for you know another job or you know however my departure happens, you know that will be brought up at some point. I'm like hey, yeah, and you know yeah. my understanding somebody else has done that too before me. Uh, so, but you know I don't know who that person is. And I will never pass judgment because I've done it. And if somebody came to me tomorrow and said that they did it, I'm like, I would have the same reaction. I would chuckle a little bit and just say, it happens, man. You know, I've, I've gotten a lot more white hair in my beard <laughs> since I've gotten here. <laughs> uh, that's probably me just wor you know, you know, worrying when I'm dealing with, with malware. Uh, especially, and, and especially when you don't know, you know, you don't have any indication about what that malware may be, right? Uh, you, know, you don't yes. know what's going to yeah. happen. Uh, ransomware is just a nat just naturally a nasty thing to have to deal with, and you know, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's much. But yeah, that was my uh, that was my whoop my whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was, was that? It's, nice. It was just uh, very nerve wracking, and, and I, mm. I can look back on it now and laugh about it. But yeah, I was dying that day. It was just. Oof. <laughs> 
Oh, I would I would not have put you down as someone who'd ransomed himself. Yeah, but, I, um, I have done that. that Bless you. Thank, thank you for thank you for sharing that. I, you know, and, I, and admitting. I would like done. to think that it happens more often than people will admit to, but I will be the first. I, I will be. It does. I will admit that I have. You know, whether or not they found anything or not. Uh, yeah. Guilty. <laughs> Josh, um, thank yeah. you ever so much. Absolute star, absolute legend. Uh, it's been a pleasure having yeah. you with us uh, today. Um, and yeah, like I said before, we'll, we'll definitely want to have you yeah. back on yeah. the show. Thank you for guys for, for having me. I've, I've had fun, fun with this one. Uh, yeah. It's been great. And um, yeah, the, the recording time doesn't reflect exactly ah. how long we've been doing <laughs> <laughs> No, it does not. It does not at all. No, it really no. doesn't. You, should, you guys should start doing outtakes and bloopers. That would be great. Yeah, we were talking yeah. about that earlier, actually. Yeah, <laughs> we should do. But um, yeah, yeah, thank you for so having me. And uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll take catch care, you soon. And yeah, uh, you take care. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Well, that was um, yeah, pretty pretty so, good faux pas. See, even yeah. the Josh Hickman, even the mighty Harris. Josh Hickman, yeah. um, ransomwareed himself. Don't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, don't try this at home, kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just shows you the dangers, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. And the, yeah, you've got to be so careful with these things. But um, and, yeah. and people have just got to tweet him with that Simpsons meme now, haven't they? They have to. Yeah. They have to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bless him. Um, thank you, Josh, again for that uh, sharing that with us. And yeah, uh, yeah please do spam him with yeah. mock mocking tweets. And it, yeah, and if miraculously you haven't checked out his blog. We'll obviously reference to it in the show notes, but yeah, yes. go and check it out. Yeah, go check it out, absolutely. Um, and the images and all that kind of stuff yeah. So um, that he produces. Fantastic yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, I think that's all that's we've really got time yeah. for today. Um, Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope yeah. you've found Josh as insightful as what we have. Um, <laughs> yeah. We've always enjoyed talking to Josh, so, um, and he likes the English soccer football game so that's good he does yeah. he does and he's he's even offered to come back and talk to us about ISO 17025 I know I mean yeah how exciting is that exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah so uh, thank you again for tuning in um, hope you enjoyed the show as always any thoughts feedback comments please ping them across to us uh, email address of podcast.ctf at gmail.com been practicing you have you have (laughs) no thanks for giving up your time and hope um, you enjoyed it yes thanks very much and uh, all the best